Hello, dear friends, and welcome to another installment of our virtual Sunday celebration. Our theme this month has been Companions Along the Path, which fits in with a, a sort of a generally large theme, which is we make the path by walking, which simply is this, is that the spiritual path, the emotional path, the physical path is determined in the process of going as opposed to simply coloring within the lines or following a set thing. Each of us is an original person. Each of us has our own destiny. Each of us, as Sir Galahad says in the Arthurian myths, must enter the forest in our own place. So I wanna deviate a little bit from the path this week and, and talk about something that I think is really important this time of year. And I want to do so by, by sharing a story that comes from John the Evangelist in his gospel. And there's a story of a man by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes and he visits Jesus during the night. And they have this long conversation about many things that culminates with a statement that Jesus makes where he says that unless a person be born again, they will not experience this divine experience known as the kingdom of God. And again, we're not talking about some future event. We're talking about a shift or change in consciousness. Now, this particular part of the story is just pure metaphysics. And it goes back, and I'm gonna invite you to consider a few things. You know, we've been talking these last couple of weeks of something that Neville Goddard talks about from his teacher, Abdullah. But what we also know comes from the ancient traditions of, of metaphysics, which is to read scripture or literature or nature, not necessarily in the context of history, we're not discounting that, but at a deeper level about how all these things are sort of components of our own consciousness. Let me give you an example of that. So first of all, the, the name Nicodemus, it's not a Hebrew name, it's a Greek name. Jesus spoke Aramaic, he lived in first century Palestine. The leaders of the Jewish community probably did not have Greek names, but the name Nicodemus from the Greek Nico or Nike or victory, demos as in democracy or the people. So it means victory over the people or a great leader. So a great leader, that part of our self that knows what to do, that rational, reasonable uh, part of ourself that knows what's expected and does what's expected. That part comes in the night season, the time really where the, the rationale and reason are sort of giving way to the more subjective parts of ourself. And so it's in this evening, this subjective, this sort of dreamy state that reason is having a conversation with the high consciousness. And the high consciousness, which is symbolized by Jesus as the Christ consciousness, says this, that unless you're born again, or in the Greek it says, born from above, you will not see all that the divine is. And so, you know, I think the, the, the first place that we can go with this is that if we want to live to the fullness of who we are, 
If we want to be able to see the divine in everything and in all things, if we want to know our true spiritual magnificence, it's not necessarily going to come from mind or reason alone. Now, mind is an important part. We're not discounting that. But what we're saying is that there's so much more about who we are. You know, the 13th century scholastic and mystic Thomas Aquinas said something really interesting. And you know, 13th century Europe, how important is it today? I think it's so important. So what he says is this, is he says that, um, but, uh, he says that our errors that are created by reason in relationship to the natural universe or the natural world reveal themselves in errors of understanding the spiritual world. So if we are off on how we see the natural world, then we're gonna be off on how we see the spiritual world. And you know, that is, that is so true. You know, let's, let's just give a few examples. So an example would be, you know, the Enlightenment's idea of the universe being ex machina, of a great machine. And so, you know, a great machine, then we see the, 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 the physical world as this sort of mechanistic kind of thing that then begins to give way to a mechanistic way of looking at the spiritual world. Or even more subtle things like saying that the, the lion is the king of the jungle gives us this idea that the spiritual world is sort of top-down or patriarchal, that there is, there is the divine right of kings, right? And so that gives way to this, this sense that we are lesser than. But what we are understanding more and more and more as we begin to understand the spiritual world is it's not necessarily a Darwinian model, you know, where, you know, the, the, the strong overpower the weak, uh, that kind of thing, but really it's more of a cooperative universe where everything is interconnected to everything else. But I think this also plays way in how we see ourselves. You know, if there are errors in how we see ourselves as being less than or something inherently wrong with or whatever thoughts that we may hold about ourselves, they're going to ripple out into how we see our relationship to the divine or to anything else. You know, and again, what I invite you to consider is this, the most important question you can ask, what kind of universe do you live in? Do you live in a loving universe, an intelligent universe, a universe that is unfolding and learning, a universe that is good, that desires your good? Because understanding that begins to open doors in areas that we have hitherto even begun to imagine. So, you know, I think also as we, we go into this, I think there's a, a few things for us to understand. We all know that, you know, there's great joy in this thing called life, but there's also great tragedy in this thing called life. We live in a world that has both. We live in a world that is expanding at some point and contracting at other points. The Buddha so understood this where he said, you know, all life is transitory. And if we 
anchor in on what it's supposed to be, we miss what's coming forward to us. The, um, you know, the, the uh, philosopher Thomas Berry makes this really interesting point where he says that, um, that human consciousness must be altered in such a dramatic way that it goes back to something that Jesus talks about, that our awakening or our change in consciousness must be as dramatic as being born again or having this renewed experience. Because what he says is if we don't have that kind of experience, that kind of awakening, well then our, our first birth, the physical birth, the one that you and I are having in this conversation, will never grow to full term, but that we will live a life that is underdeveloped, a life that Henry David Thoreau says is a life that is filled with quiet desperation. So what I wanna offer are some thoughts and tools on how we can proceed to this awakening. And you know, the, this week I, I was listening to a podcast of two of my very favorite people. Uh, Father Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan monk and writer, brilliant writer, and a man by the name of Brian McLaren, who is also a very strong contemporary writer in mysticism and spirituality. And, and in the conversation that they're, they're having, at one point, Richard Rohr uh, gives this quote in Latin that threw me all the way back to high school, something from the 13th century scholastics. And I want to offer it to you in Latin and then kind of explain it because I just think it's really worth pondering. And so the statement is, and again, this is 13th century mysticism, how relevant it is today. Quid, quid, recipitor, recipitor ad manum recipitinus. So what that means is this, is whatever is received is received in the manner of the receiver. Whatever we receive is received in the manner of our consciousness, of our awareness. What we think it is, is what we're going to experience it to be. And you know, this goes all the way back again to the, the teachings of, of Jesus. You know, Jesus tells this remarkable parable of a, of a sower that, that sows seeds. And, and some of the seeds falls on, on, on the road where it's trampled, you know. And again, thinking metaphysically, you know, what does that mean? Is that an idea, a thought, a seed is, is compartmentalized to that part of ourself that is influenced by everyone and everything. And it never has a chance to grow. It never has a chance to mature. Or some seeds grow in rocky soil. And what does that mean? You know, these rocks represent the blocks, the blockades. You know, all these limitations that we put on ourselves. And so it may bloom, but because of all these obstacles, it never has a chance to take root or come into its fullness. And some seed falls into the weeds, you know, all these distractions and all these ideas of what we're supposed to be doing and what's right and what's wrong and our obligations and all these things, and they're choked. 
but it's the seeds, the ideas, those divine muses that can come into a receptive mind that is not cluttered with biases. Ah, that is where things begin to grow and things begin to happen. And so, you know, I think, you know, something else that Brian McLaren said in this particular lecture that I was listening to is this, and I love this. He says, we are blind to what blinds us. That, that we don't even see the things that stand in our way. And that is because we hold certain levels of bias. We've made our decision before it's even approached to us. We've already decided what it's to do. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I would offer as far as our particular denomination or your own spiritual path of where that is, is, you know, what I'm beginning to understand more and more is it's not enough just to teach new ideas or, or, or spiritual principles. What we really have to learn are new ways of thinking, of new ways to receive new information because other words it's like those seeds right it falls into the blockades or it falls into the distractions or it falls into the need for approval or whatever the case may be and we don't even get a chance to develop them we form a belief and then we look for evidence to support that belief this is called uh, this is called confirmation bias and we all have it we all have it. And so Brian McLaren says this. He says, we judge new ideas based on the ease which, which they fit with and conform the only, to the only standards that we have. Old ideas, old information, and trusted authorities. As a result, our framing story, our belief system, or our paradigm excludes whatever doesn't fit in. So let me say what that means is that whatever comes to us fits in to the paradigm that is easiest for us to understand. Now this is a total survival mechanism of our brain and it certainly makes sense if you're you know, running on the savannas of uh, ancient Africa or in a sense you know, where, where food or calories are an important thing because to think a new thought takes a lot of calories. To think a new thought takes a lot of effort. And we're, you know, we're barraged by information all the time and we're always filtering in new information and always filtering in new information. And so we would overwhelm our brain, we would exhaust ourselves. If we, if we had to process everything. So we take things in, and if they fit into our model of how things are, then we accept them. If they don't fit into our model, then we discard them. You know, it's a, it's a good survival mechanism, but it's at the basis level. And sometimes what we need to do is step back and re-examine these things. And you know, here's the thing with, uh, uh, you know, uh, the author uh, Chris Jamie says this, is he says that confirmation bias is the most effective way to go on living a lie. Or it's the most effective way to go on living something that no longer serves us. It's an effective way to keep us struck, stuck and to keep us 
from experiencing novelty. And yeah, it makes sense that most of what we do should fit in to how we see things to be. But if our thinking has been formulated in a way that limits our opportunity to experience more, then from time to time, we need to pause, we need to reflect, we need to re-examine that. You know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, the world today where it is, you know, in this great polarity that the world is, is in, and, and we think we can convince somebody through an argument. Well, you know, minds are already made up. Your mind is already made up about a lot of things. So what I would offer is in order for us to work with confirmation bias, and let's face it, we all have it at some level. It's not a horrible thing. It's one of those things that's just part of what being human and having a human brain is all about. So the way that we work with confirmation bias is not through argument, but through imagination. We must develop new ways of thinking in order for us to accept new ideas and new thoughts. What I would offer again is, is going back to something that Jesus says, where Jesus says, you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. You can't sew a new piece of fabric onto an old cloth because it will shrink and pull the cloth apart, the wine will expand and burst the old wineskin. And so in order for us to develop a new consciousness, we must develop a new, a novel, an open imagination. And so that's kind of what I wanna talk about today, about how we then begin to do that. And I think, you know, here's a couple of thoughts, is the first one is this, is that, um, you know, what's inspiring you? What's amazing you? What's surprising you? What's filling you with wonder and awe? Joe Goldsmith has this thought that I want to share. He says this, Take time to work in your garden or read a good book or even a good novel. You must learn to stop, sometimes for a day or two, and say, Let me not trust my mind. Let me relax in God. Invite the soul. Relax the soul without words or thoughts. God is not in the whirlwind. God is not in your problems. God is not in your thinking. God is not in your books. God is in the still, small voice. In order to hear the voice and receive the importations, and its grace, we must live quietly and peacefully within. I love that. God is not in our thoughts. God is not in our books. God is not in the drama. God is in the quiet, the still, small voice, the experience of grace. And how we open our imagination to create the fertile soil in which 
we can quiet ourselves and be. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You know, other than all the self-help books and this books or for myself, you know, philosophy, history, theology, what was the last good book you read? What was the last novel you read? What was the last movie that didn't contribute to a confirmation bias and made you write, but made you think and imagine? C.J. Chesterton says this, he says, we don't read novels because we believe in dragons. We read novels because we understand that dragons can be defeated. And so, you know, what is the best story that you have heard this week? You know, I can tell you for myself, you know, there was a, a story that uh, I, I, I read of a, of a young man who, who uh, had his uh, bicycle at a train station because he made a commute. And when he got back, he saw that the lock had been cut and the bicycle had been missing. And so, of course, he's making up all these stories about how these whole things are. And then what happens is another young man comes out and says, hey, can you, can you, do you know the combination to that lock? And he showed it and he did. He says, he says, you know, while I was working, I saw somebody come by and cut that chain. And so I chased him off and I've kept your bike and I've been waiting here four hours for you to return. And so, you know, what a beautiful story, right? Because here was this guy already in his confirmation bias, right? People suck. You can't trust anybody. Everything's going to happen. And then he is amazed and he's surprised by someone who literally waits four hours to return his bike to him. And so it's in that stillness. It's in that place of, of wonder and amazement and quiet grace that we can open ourselves to a new vision, a new understanding of what is possible. Something that we practice here at the Hilltop Center, in fact, most of the decisions that we make are done through the process of visioning. And visioning is a practice that, you know, it's not like, you know, silver mind control, or it's not like, you know, visiting an oracle where it only speaks but once, but it's a way of training our mind. It's a way of discerning. And it's just quieting ourselves and sitting with four questions. And so as we quiet ourselves, as we quiet our mind, as we remove the rocks and the obstacles and the weeds, as we step off the trodden road, as we move to that fertile soil within, that grace that is present, maybe by doing the centering prayer, I am. I am. I am. And when we center, when we're quiet, we ask ourselves in this situation that I'm working with now, in these decisions that I am beginning to make, 
instead of looking at my own confirmation bias, what is the divine's highest vision here? As Gary Richards' cards say, how good can this get? What is the divine idea that's wanting to come forth? And then we ask, in order for this idea to come forth, is there something that I am holding on to that it's time for me to release? So the second question is, in order for this to come forth, what must I release? And then the third question, now that I've released, what skill, what newness, what novelty is it important for me to embrace so that this divine idea has a container, an imagination, a possibility to find expression. And finally, you know, sometimes we are blind to what blinds us. We ask, what else is there for me to know? Quietly and listen to that inner guide that divine within us. Going again back to this wonderful story of Jesus and Nicodemus. How must I awaken in such a dramatic way that it is like a rebirth, that it changes the paradigm, that my thinking has changed in such a way that I am open to receiving new thoughts, and new ideas. And so my blessing to each and every one of you today is that that divine within, that Christ consciousness, that Buddha nature, that dance of the universe that finds its expression, that, that evolution become intentional, that is the absolute, authentic, and original you is amazed, is surprised, is filled with wonder, and that today and tomorrow we are reborn to a newness, a goodness, and as we change, we see the kingdom, and when we see the kingdom, we change the world. Thank you. So again, as I say in every message, I am just so grateful that you are part of our growing community. I appreciate all of you who are subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's growing every week that are letting your friends know, your family know, and all the ways that we are allowing this virtual community to expand and grow. And I'm also really excited for those of you who are within the vicinity of Fallbrook that are able to come to our live service on Sunday mornings. I invite you to go to, to um, our website or our newsletter and click the Eventbrite so that we can follow CDC and welcome you here on Sundays. It's really good. 
It's really fun. And you know, we've, we've been talking about the ideas is, is should we from time to time do a live cast of Sunday Service Live? Let us know what you think about that. And again, thank you for your continued and generous support in the many ways that your financial help, your financial support is allowing us not simply just to hang on, but to thrive. It is a worthy venture and I am so grateful that we are in partnership with you. And so dear friends, to those whom you love and those whom you receive love from, I wish you many, many, many blessings.